Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is August 22nd. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing my little recap and takeaways from the Dolphins' second preseason game, this one against the Atlanta Falcons, and we're going to dive right into it. To begin this episode, the Miami Dolphins defeated the Atlanta Falcons by a score of 37-17 to in Week 2 of preseason football. Now, before we even talk about the performance, it's important to note here that the Falcons were in large part resting their starters. I'm saying that because if the Dolphins would have done the same thing, I would have had to mention that of course as well so just keep that in mind this episode's going to deal more so with talking about what the Dolphins players were able to do as opposed to roasting the Atlanta Falcons because again they were without their starters in this game so the Dolphins offense came out firing on all cylinders in this game second year quarterback Tua Tungavailoa played absolutely phenomenal in my eyes Tua finished the day 16 of 23 with 183 yards and he also did have a touchdown in this game Tua was efficient, connecting on several short passes to rookie Jalen Waddle and Miles Gaskin when he started the day. His first incompletion in this one didn't come until his 11th pass of the game, and that was all the way in the second quarter. He displayed an impressive ability to avoid pressure, he used his legs, and he was doing that to either find a receiver downfield or to take off and get the first down himself. He connected with tight end Mike Kosicki on a 30-yard pass, which was an absolute dime of a throw. Now, as for his negatives his worst play probably uh, to me it came on a play where he appeared to throw the ball into a group of defenders for the Atlanta Falcons it was a bad decision but it was still far better than some of his previous mistakes in other games another negative that you could look at he placed a ball poorly on a pass to Jalen Waddle which was actually his first incompletion of the day but aside from that just minor negatives and it was a pretty strong outing from Tua so my overall review uh, about Tua after this game was that he played a crisp precise game of football. He made quick reads, he had great accuracy, and displayed some arm strength, which is of course a trait that many people had criticized in the past. In all, Tua's composure, his confidence, appears to be miles ahead of where it was last year. Whereas Tua's role last year, I think, was to manage the game, it seems like this season he's primed to be in a spot to push the offense to a new level that they haven't been able to hit. Now, as for the running game here for Miami, I thought they did a great job here. Running back Miles Gaskin got the start this week after Malcolm Brown got the surprising start in last week's game. Gaskin was as efficient as he's ever been, totaling 27 yards rushing as well as 44 yards receiving and two total touchdowns again in that limited sample size which was mostly just the first half. Gaskin appeared in my eyes to solidify his role as the team's primary running back. He displayed that unique ability as a rusher and a receiver. His speed looks better than ever as do his cuts, and he should serve as a reliable safety valve for Tua in the receiving game. The only thing appearing to hold Gaskin back from finishing near the top seven-ish in total yards from scrimmage among all running backs is going to be the offensive line. The volume in his current role should just be abundant. His efficiency is there, and he seems to be significantly better than the rest of the running back competition here in Miami. Now, as stated last week,
last week for Malcolm Brown, he was primed for a bounce back performance. I thought he didn't really have much to work with, so if the Dolphins offensive line improved at all, he should look better, and that was the case in this game. He would lead the Dolphins in rushing in this game, finishing with 10 carries for 43 yards on the ground. Now, even on top of the idea that the Falcons were resting their starters, you have to also acknowledge that their defense is on a completely different planet compared to the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, for lack of better terms, they're terrible. On top of that, the offensive line gave Brown a little bit more to work with, and it appears that Brown's role as the short yardage power running back should still be in play here. Now, for the receiving game, receiver Jalen Waddle got off to a red-hot start. He made his first preseason reception, catching a bubble screen and taking it for a gain of four. He would finish the day with 21 yards on three catches in this game. Now, Waddle did have one target that he did not catch that I alluded to earlier when talking about Tua. He found himself wide open on an out route, but he could not hold on to the pass. The Falcons challenged it, and it was overturned to an incompletion. Now, I will say Tua did not place this ball well, and there was also pressure that was barreling down on him on the side of Jesse Davis, so it's hard to place the blame entirely on Waddle on that play. It's also hard to place it entirely on Tua. Just overall, not a great pass that was uh, directed towards Waddle. Now, we did have a massive scare uh, earlier on in the game as an Atlanta defender collided into Waddle's lower leg area. And in that instance, Waddle was in visible pain. It looked really significant and he was being looked out by the trainer. It initially appeared to be something that was really, really serious just based on that reaction. But then several minutes later, Waddle displayed that same toughness we've seen in the past he returned to the field on the next drive for Miami, and everything after that would, uh, you know, imply that he is completely healthy. It didn't seem like there was any sort of issues uh, after that little scare that the Dolphins had. Now, as for the offensive line here, the Dolphins' offensive line was much improved from last week. As noted, the Falcons' defense is nowhere near the challenge that the Bears' defense is, and it's hard to imagine the offensive line playing worse than they they did last week. But despite all of that, it's important to recognize there was improvement here. Tua actually had time to go through a ton of his progressions. I think that is in large part why he looks so much more uh, impressive in this outing. So after what was an abysmal showcase against Chicago, left tackle Austin Jackson appeared to have a solid bounce back game. There is still area to improve here and far too often we see Jackson getting thrown back into his own quarterback but in this one game he was able to keep the defender from getting around him even though he was getting pushed back. So again, in this game, it appeared that that's all Tua needed to make some of his reads. Now, guard Robert Hunt also had a few instances where he was absolutely blown up, but again, Tua was able to maneuver around the pocket and avoid the pressure. I think Michael Dieter here actually had a pretty solid game. It was pretty sound from what I saw on Tua's touchdown pass to Gaskin, though. Dieter appeared to barely stay in front of his man. I see a lot of people blaming him for that play, but until we get the all 20 film, it's really unclear whether that was Kinley's man or whether it was Dieter making a good play uh, for him or who got blown up. It's really hard to tell just based on that one camera angle. Now, uh, Liam Eichenberg also had his debut here for the preseason, and I thought for being a rookie, he had a pretty terrific outing in this game. There is overall not much to complain about. He kept his side of the line in check, and the offense really seemed to find a rhythm while he was in the game. Now, there were a few instances of running backs missing blocks for the Dolphins, including a big one by Malcolm Brown while Tua was in quarterback. And then Ahmed also had a missed block while Brissett was at quarterback. So that needs to get a little bit more honed in. 
season. But overall, a lot of progression here from the Dolphins offensive line, and it was noticeable in both the running game looking a lot better and in Tua having more time to make some of these reads. Now, uh, to switch over here to the defensive side of the ball, uh, before we talk about the defense as a whole, there was one player that's deserving of a player of the game award here, and it was on the defensive side, and it was linebacker Sam Eguavon. He put on an absolute show, just worthy of being the player of the game right there alongside Tua. Eguavon finished the game four sacks, one safety, 11 total tackles. He's a player who was considered to be on the bubble in a pretty crowded Dolphins defense, but Eguavon in this game made his presence known in just the absolute biggest way possible. Just have an absolute day. What a performance in this game. Now, as with the offense, though, it's important to note again, the Falcons were resting their starters for this game. That means no Calvin Ridley. That means no Matt Ryan. That means no Mike Davis. If you remember, there were some concerning reports earlier in the week uh, that the Dolphins were struggling against the Falcons in their joint practices, but against the Falcons reserves, there was absolutely no signs of the defense struggling. Quarterback A.J. McCarron for the Falcons got the start going three for six for 43 yards before leaving the game with an injury, and third string quarterback Felipe Franks would finish four for nine for 46 yards. So in all, the Falcons quarterbacks would finish with 66 total passing yards in this game. Now, the defense defensive back unit for Miami did a great job in coverage. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were both pulled from the game after just a quarter, but from what you saw of Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, just typical stuff. If you look over at Howard's end, he's basically running the receiver's route for him. Now, cornerback Nick Needham continues to impress as he had a terrific ca- uh, coverage effort preventing a touchdown in the end zone, and on that same drive, safety Eric Rowe broke up a fourth down pass that was also in the end zone. So that right there was absolutely awesome to see. The Dolphins defensive front, I think, was the main powerhouse of this game. They disrupted the Falcons quarterbacks at will. You saw guys like Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis, uh, both of them just creating a serious push near the line of scrimmage and disruption. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba had a play where he applied solid pressure, getting around his guy on the edge, forcing a pass to be thrown out of bounds. Overall, a great defensive game from the front. Andrew Van Ginkle also had a nice tackle for a loss. Uh, Zach Sealer was making his presence known. Uh, linebacker Jerome Baker, who is usually just a tackle machine, uh, didn't necessarily appear to have a large impact in stopping the run while he was out there, so hopefully we see that get turned around a little bit. Now, as for some other notes from across both the offense and the defensive side of the ball, uh, Mac Hollins had a great day. Leading the Dolphins in receiving, he had 49 yards, including an impressive bobbling catch. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, he found former Bills wide receiver Robert Foster on what was a beautiful lob pass in the end zone, just an absolute dart. Uh, Reed Sinet connected with Kirk Merritt on a nice fade route for a touchdown. Merritt in this game would finish with 34 yards and a touchdown, and Brissett would finish 8-for-8 in this game. Sinet finished 2-for-2 in this game. Neither backup for Miami threw an incompletion in this game. Now, uh, some negatives here is that cornerback Justin Coleman got beat badly in the end zone. He gave up what would have been a touchdown right before that Eric Rowe pass breakup, but on the play, the receiver just 
dropped the ball. The Dolphins caught a break on that play, but important to note, Justin Coleman got beat there. Uh, wide receiver Malcolm Perry had an electrifying run after the catch. He picked up 29 yards on a screen play, which was awesome to see. Uh, linebacker Calvin Munson, who, you know, it's unsure whether he's going to make the team or not. Doesn't seem necessarily like likely. He leaped up for an impressive interception in the fourth quarter. That was a terrific play. And then something that I consider to be a glitch in the simulation. I'm not sure if it necessarily happened or if it was a dream of mine, but Jason Sanders actually missed a field goal. I'm not concerned whatsoever uh, about it. As far as I'm concerned, I didn't see it. It didn't happen in my eyes, but yeah, he missed a 58-yard kick wide left, and that sums up my notes for this game. So to kind of get into my takeaways here, the first takeaway is going to go back all the way to Tua Tungavailoa, and it may be obvious to say, but it needs to be said that I'm expecting a pretty significant jump in Tua's second year. I think we can all expect there to be some progression from a rookie to his second year, but with Tua, this game kind of solidified that for me. You saw him find a rhythm, you saw him start attacking a defense, something that we only saw glimpses of last year, and I really think we're going to see a different version of Tua. As I alluded to earlier, I thought last year Tua was a game manager. Game manager kind of has that negative connotation, but for a rookie, I think that's absolutely fine. And I think there were only a few instances where we uh, truly saw him take take over a game and push the team to victory. I think we only saw it a few instances like against Arizona, um, but overall, I'm expecting there to be a ton more of those. I'm not expecting him to be Aaron Rodgers and to be, you know, wreaking havoc for opposing secondaries or to be Matt Stafford, but I do think those instances that we see to a take over games are going to be a lot more frequent, and I'm expecting him to be making the guys around him better as opposed to last year where he was kind of taking an approach where he just was playing mistakes free. I think now we're going to see him uh, a lot more aggressive, a lot more confident, and just dominate certain games. Now, my next takeaway here is Miles Gaskin uh, is the guy for Miami. He's their best running back, and it's not really even close in my eyes. I think Malcolm Brown's fine. I think the people who are, uh, you know, uh, saying that Miles Gaskin's going to be a bust because Brown was getting those snaps in fantasy football, I think that was completely reactionary and overblown. I think Miles Gaskin has proven that he's going to be the guy getting getting the majority of the volume here. Of course, there may be those instances where Malcolm Brown short yarded situation or you need to punch it in the end zone uh, when you're on the goal line, you might see him enter the field there. But overall, I'm just loving what I've seen from Miles Gaskin. Uh, if you haven't already, I had an episode, I believe two or three episodes back where I kind of dive into some of the stats that Gaskin uh, produced last season and why I think he might be actually flying under the radar. So again, I think he's going to be the guy for Miami. If you're thinking fancy football, I wouldn't expect him to be a bust. I think something uh, completely unforeseen would have to happen for him to lose this role. I think Malcolm Brown is looking okay. And I think Savon Ahmed is impressive as a guy uh, you know, a receiving back, but overall, Miles Gaskin appears to be the one who could do it all pretty well. I'm very excited about him. Now, my last takeaway here is that I'm glad to see the Dolphins offensive line improve. It was much needed. I will say that uh, based off how bad their performance was against the Chicago Bears, this performance uh, isn't enough to negate that for me. I'm not completely confident yet in this unit just because of this outing. That concern still lingers because it was so bad. I would need to see them string a couple more of these together, but overall, I'm happy to see Austin Jackson kind of progress a little bit more. I am excited about Liam Eichenberg and what he was able to accomplish in his first outing out there, and uh, the other guys in the offensive line, I think all 
Hall had a, sh- a solid outing, but again, it's not entirely enough for me to completely buy into the unit yet, and I'm going to need to see it a little bit more before I'm convinced. Now, guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. I would appreciate any follows over there, guys. It would mean a lot. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review. It would be extremely helpful for, uh, for me. If you have any topics or questions, things that you'd like for me to discuss in a future episode, uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. It would be awesome to discuss what you guys are seeing or any questions you guys have, and I would gladly discuss it on the next episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.